I think one of the best songs in uh, this uh, musical is a uh, science fiction double feature, even though a lot of those films I've never seen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I think the the lyrics and the melody are very calming and soothing and uh, sort of like a lullaby, I guess. Um, and in the sequel, Shock Treatment, they have some uh, songs in there that sound a bit like lullabies as well. But um, I don't know. I've I just never, really... I've never heard them described as such. Wow. Um, it, it, it lulls you into a fitful sleep. There was a podcast called The Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called boobies. Boobies. Oh, it's The Sequel Cast. Oh, yeah, The Sequel Cast. It's just a jump to the left and then a step to the right. With your hands on your hips, you bring your knees in tight. But it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. Let's do the time warp again. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show where we talk about movies in a franchise, uh, one movie at a time. Uh, we're starting to talk about a new series of films. With uh, this episode, we're going to talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, a uh, you know perhaps the cult classic film, if you want to call it that. And uh, next week, we're talking about its uh, little-known sequel, Shock Treatment. But uh, this time around, we're talking about the first one, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, directed by Jim Sharman, uh, written by Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman, with uh, music by Richard O'Brien and Richard Hartley, starring Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, Barry Bostwick, uh, Meatloaf, uh, Charles Gray, and uh, many others. Uh, with me is Thrasher. Hello, everyone, to our unconventional convention. And also with us is uh, Jersey Jason, who I believe has not been on the show since uh, he was on for part of, I think, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. God, was it, has it been that long? I think so, yeah. Hey, everybody. Good to have you back, Jason. Uh, so hey, we're Jersey gonna... Jason's actually coming to us live from Jersey. Yeah, yeah that's true. I currently, I currently live in Georgia, but I'm up, uh, I'm up in New Jersey uh, staying at my parents' place until Thanksgiving. So you'll hear me next week. Excellent. Uh, so this won't be released on the days. This will be released after Thanksgiving. No, we're more in timeless stuff now. So nice. this will be released uh, this week at some point. So let me. We're going to try adding a guest onto the show who I know nothing about really, but Jason does. So we, <laughs> we, we might get a voice message, and I might have to hang up on this person. But I'll let uh, Jersey Jason talk to this individual. This is going to be a first for sequel cast, a live call-out. Yep. All right, here we go. And possibly a live, fuck you, and hang up. See, we should just, no, we should oh, just call, let's just call uh, Richard O'Brien. What <laughs> time here? Two rings. Please leave your message for seven zero. Oh, no. Okay. Nope. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay. So. So anyway, who we tried to call was yes. um, was uh, was a Eudora Sprinkles. He and my friend Adriana, who was supposed to 
um, they were trading off playing Frankfurter, which again is, is a whole other thing that we have to do. Um, but he's part of a group that does something called a shadow cast. Explain later. Uh, and their shadow cast is called the Tranny Concubines, and you can look them up on trannyconcubines.com. Or is it Transylvanian concubines? No, it's tranny concubines. Oh. Okay. They do theirs. Uh, they do their show at uh, in Virginia. I used to live around that area. I used to live in Centerville, Virginia, for a few years. There you go. And will you be in Virginia as well? Indeed. Uh, yep. Um, so let's talk. Somebody's here. Uh, so, no, just Vanna is going into the bathroom. It's uh, the bathroom's in the same room as the sequel cast recording studio. Um, are we getting some insight into the process? I often record the show uh, sitting on the toilet. No. Uh, oh, and we have a website, listeners. We have a website, sequelcast.com. Uh, and if you go to Facebook, look up sequelcast on there. And finally, sequelcast is back on iTunes. After a, a weird hiatus, so you can find us on there as well. Uh, but uh, back to Rocky. Legit. Yeah. Oh, don't forget the sequel cast blog. Oh yeah, we started a new uh, blog called Sequel Cast the Blog. Uh, called Sequel Cast the Blog, over at sequelcast.blogspot.com, and uh, Will and I have been writing some reviews and stuff over there. Uh, most recently, uh, Thrasher did an article about some of the children of the corn films. Several. Uh, are several. Yeah. Uh, but I think before we go into talking about what the the shadow play shadow is... Cast. Or, sorry, shadow cast. I've seen both different names used for it. And uh, Magic what, Lantern shows. Uh, no, it's never... <laughs> it should be. Why don't we... Why don't we talk about uh, the first time we saw a Rocky Horror Picture Show and what sort of effect that had on our lives, uh, if any. Hey, uh, hey uh, uh, Uncle Milkshake, if you could record... So oh, sure. I'm sorry, did I... Oh, okay, the door is opening? Yeah. Uh, so, why, before we start talking about, you know, um, the Shadow cast stuff with a Rocky Horror Picture Show when people see it in theaters nowadays. Why don't we talk about when was the first time each of us saw a Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, period. It doesn't have to be in a theater necessarily, and uh, how it affected our lives. Uh, for me, you know, I didn't see Rocky Horror Picture Show until I, I was a freshman in high school. I was in uh, the drama club and there was a uh, an after party, and uh, they showed uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show there at this after party, spend the night uh, sort of wild, drunken debauchery, and a Rocky Horror Picture Show was playing, and everyone you know in the drama club in high school was talking about it, and uh, it took me a bit to sort of get the to get the movie, but I, uh, you know, really enjoyed the soundtrack and listened to that a lot, and it was something I uh, I turned to a lot as sort of I don't know, I guess something to to hang on to or something while my parents are going through a divorce. For some reason, I turned to Rocky Horror Picture Show and that soundtrack album a lot. Uh, Oddly enough, the soundtrack album I listened to was not the uh, the film uh, soundtrack, but it was the soundtrack of the uh, Broadway original Broadway run. Uh, what? Yeah, there's it was. A, there's a Broadway play of this. 
Well, yeah. the, 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 the thing, there's two, actually. You know, the Rocky Horror Picture Show started as a stage show called the Rocky Horror Show that was in London, and that has an album. And then it went, like, to Broadway, or it, it might have even been off-Broadway, technically, very briefly. Um, uh, and this was before the movie came out, still in the 70s, uh, mid-70s or something. And then from, like, I believe, like, uh, 99 to 2001... They did a, a different. Uh, they did a revamp of Rocky Horror Picture Show on Broadway with a different cast and so forth. That. Um, so, but yeah. So you what 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 song what what song really uh, did you latch onto? What 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 song gave you? Oh, solidarity? okay. Uh, I think one of the best songs in uh, this uh, musical is a uh, science fiction double feature. Even though a lot of those films I've never seen, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I think the the lyrics and the melody are very calming and soothing and uh, sort of like a lullaby, I guess. Um, and in the sequel, Shock Treatment, they have some uh, songs in there that sound a bit like lullabies as well. But um, I don't know. I've I just never, really... I've never heard them described as such. Wow! Um... It, it, it lulls you into a fitful sleep, <laughs> a fitful sticky sleep. Um, wow! I don't know how to. Oh, uh... Yeah, that's so. I guess like so for you, it wasn't so much the movie, but it was the the songs that you remembered from the soundtracks. Yeah, I've listened to the soundtracks for. More, I mean, I've seen I've seen the movie several times as well, but I've listened to the soundtrack as far more than uh, seeing the film. Um, so, you know, that's actually a good point. I want to know if people, because this became again a cult film. Yes, I wonder right. what the attachment was to people who had seen it on Broadway or in the West End. Um, if they went to it because they had also maybe seen the musical. I don't know how, because it was successful. It was a really successful um, live musical. It was in London, but not, not when it initially came to uh, off-Broadway. Um, but, you know, I mean, since then it's been a very popular show and it's done at high schools and it plays in theaters all around the world, really. What high school did you go to? My high school never did it, but there's high schools that have done it or colleges that have done it. Uh, yeah, because there's there's anal sex and and confused sexuality. That's a uh, yeah, my my high school could not have gotten away with that. I've heard it be done at high school. Our high school would have killed to do it, but we never our high school never did it. But uh, so uh, Jason, when did you first see Rocky Horror Picture Show? God, you know what? I don't know. I'm trying to remember if I had seen Clue first or Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna say I must have seen it. On Comedy Central back when they played good movies. Okay. That's the only, but I know that then that would have been edited because I didn't know that there was nudity in the film until I saw, I think, until I think Adriana showed me it. Huh. And that was back, I guess, my first year of college when I had become friends with uh, Michelle and all the people living in that crazy house off, um, uh, what was it? Wasn't Lord Hall Street. Street? Was it Adler? It was Hall Street. All straight. Hmm. And so, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Comedy Central, where's where I've seen most of these sequels. Huh. Um, yeah, VH1 would show this a lot for a time. Uh, yeah, that's when VH1 had stopped playing music videos and was playing like movies that rock and things like that. Uh-huh. That wasn't until after the 2000s. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm pretty sure they did a behind the music about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. I, I believe that you're right, Will. Or Thrasher. 
It can be both. That. I believe that you're right, Thrasher. I do, too. So, Thrasher, yeah. when did you first see this uh, film? It's it's hard to say. I do know that I saw Clue first. Um, okay. But um, I, I grew up in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, we have this really kick-ass movie theater called The Narrow. And it shows a lot of art films, a lot of independent films. It does a lot of film festivals. It's a, a wonderful independent movie theater. But they've been showing the Rocky Horror Picture Show there like since since the 70s. And uh, my family, uh, we used to go there quite a bit. And I remember just you know growing up my entire childhood, always in the lobby, they just had this poster with a giant set of lips that said the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was always sort of mystified and curious about what the hell that was. Because I loved horror movies. even like uh-huh. I loved monsters and stuff, even as a kid. I'm like, this is one I haven't heard of. And they'd always have a sign, regardless of whatever else was on the marquee, Rocky Horror Picture Show, every other Friday night, or, or, or what have you. And, you know, you know, you go through a period where you're asking, what's that? It's it's a movie. Shut up. You know, <laughs> no one, there's an age where no one wants to explain what this movie is to you, and probably with good reason. Um, that age was I, the 80s. But um, the, 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 the first time I remember seeing a whole bunch of it, it was in the 90s. I had I had recently discovered uh, the Who's Tommy and was really really into like like rock opera and and yeah, things yeah. that blended different elements of music and theater and musical theater and on I want to say it was our local Fox affiliate it was like the twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show they did they showed the movie but they showed it as it was shadow casted by professional actors. And they were always, and I was fascinated because I didn't because they kept cutting between the movie actors on stage acting out the movie and reaction shots of Susan Sarandon, Tim Curry, and Barry Bostwick, and a guy it turned out uh, later was Meatloaf, and that was the first time I ever saw a bulk of the movie, and I was kind of I was fascinated and confused at the same time as I'm sure plenty of people were. In all honesty, I don't think I ever saw this film all the way through until, again, uh, Adriana Norman, uh, the founder of Pure Antimatter in Savannah, Georgia, actually showed it to me. You know, she was a friend of mine, and she was looking for people to get in the Rocky Horror Picture Show cast, and I was like, oh, well, well, that that sounds like a lark. I'll do that this weekend, and, and just kind of got pulled into the whole thing. Well, speaking of that, uh, why don't we talk about what shadow casting is? It's pretty much what I just described. You go to a movie theater, they show the Rocky Horror Picture Show, except you also have uh, actors pantomiming the movie in costume on screen. And that some of the tra- there's lots of traditions involved, which often include a pre-show, uh, which, which can be anything from Paradise by the Dashboard Lights to Paradise by the Dashboard Lights to Paradise by the Dashboard Lights or a silly little musical number. Uh, or uh, oh, and, and Virgin Games, where people who who haven't seen the movie in a theater before are uh, given a given a good razzing. Uh, Subject in, in every every uh, place. Hardcore rape. Oh, actually, <laughs> in in uh, in the narrow theater when they do it, one of they they, they actually do birthday spankings are a tradition. If it's the <laughs> week of a birthday of someone in the cast or someone who is a regular in the audience. You come up on stage and get birthday spankings. They have wait, this wait, giant wait, crazy wait, paddle. Wait, Thrasher, that's a real thing because that happened. Um, that happened last week to me, as well as the Brad in a shadow cast. 
Um, we both got, oh god, we both got, we were both 29, so we each got 29 spanks. And <laughs> seriously, some of those people got that who got in line went in twice. They hit pretty freaking hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's always I'm, the risk. I'm like, I couldn't. I had trouble sitting down. And then, and also the guy playing Brad is really awesome. But yeah, he was getting he was getting slammed. Yeah, that's that's the but, risk of of not negotiating the paddling scene before you get up there. Oh, they were going. They were going full on hand. They were no paddle. Oh. Huh. Yeah, no, I've seen it in a in a theater a few different times with the shadow casting, and it's. I don't know if that's an ideal way to see the movie for the first time. It's uh, it's an experience. It's not yes. the best way to watch the movie. Uh-huh. It is it is an interesting way to see it, especially. But again, it's for people who haven't seen the movie for the first time. It's for people who haven't seen a shadow cast before. That's what the virgins are. Now there are people who haven't seen the movie. That's a really way a weird way to introduce them to it because number one, you've got people distracting you below the screen. You've got people behind you and in front of you yelling shit out, which is something we'll get into. I'm guessing um, we'll talk about the callbacks. Uh-huh. And then you've got people throwing things, which is also part of the callbacks. Yeah, it's a really weird. It's a really weird way to watch a movie. And you know they've tried to do that with some other films. Uh, there's a weird movie made in the early 2000s called The Room, oh. where, where that has some sort of prop thing associated with. Yeah, it. Yeah, but that's not as know. fun. There isn't any musical numbers in The Room. Well, right. Yeah. Or yeah, that, that uh, movie's not self-aware. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is incredibly self-aware. Yes. Wait. Do you think? It, I don't think it was. I don't think it was when it was created. No, it's 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 half self-aware, half amateurish. <laughs> I'd say that's fair. Yeah, I, I remember for some reason I didn't I didn't get out of the house uh, much, and I tried showing Rocky Horror Picture Show to my parents, uh, and that was sort of a mistake I think. <laughs> my my mom was like, "Oh, oh, this is very silly. Oh, this is silly. This is weird. Oh, did he just say mind fuck? Did he say fuck?" And uh, and then my dad was uh, sat through and watched the beginning. I don't think either of them watched it the whole way through, but my dad sat through with the beginning of it. He's like, oh, this seems like a normal musical. And then, you know, uh, Time Warp starts, Tim Curry as uh, Dr. Frankenfurter comes down the elevator in the corset. He says, what the fuck is this? And he walks out. In the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> Great memory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, attempted to show it to my parents. They wouldn't oh. understand. Oh, actually, oh, Jason, do you remember this? When uh, when pure antimatter when we were doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show at that at the Mom and Pop's Theater in Savannah, Georgia. Can you explain yes. what pure antimatter is? Oh, pure, pure antimatter. It, it's the name of of the group Adriana founded. Every every shadow cast kind of has its own name and identity, and it, whenever possible, the name is lifted from a line from the movie. There's a line towards the end of the movie about pure antimatter, so Adriana took the name pure antimatter for uh, for her shadow cast. But we were we were doing it at this at this mom and pop theater called Mom and Pop's Theater, and now keep in mind another part of the tradition of the Rocky Horror Picture Show is that it's at midnight. So imagine it's midnight and a husband and wife and three kids show show up for the show, and 
I and so they get tickets, they sit down. Well, I, I hear from Barry, who is one of the guys who was organizing things with Adriana uh, after the performance, that apparently, like, 25 minutes into the movie, they came up to him demanding their money back. And his response, and I think rightly so, is, no, this is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Again, what did you think you were walking into? Yeah, but, well, the other thing is, it's a <laughs> fucking movie at midnight. You, you're bringing your kids to a movie at midnight? I can... I can only assume, and like I, I, I can only guess what's motivating this person. But there's a type of person that we, that in my old job at a video game store, we used to run into all the time, who are the people that purposefully do stupid things to then try to yell money out of a business. And I can only assume they thought that they could intimidate us into giving them a refund plus so that they wouldn't raise a stink about how their kids saw uh, a movie with lots and lots and lots of transvestites and sex. Which there is a lot of. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess we can start talking about the movie, I guess. Uh, well, it's really it's a really simple idea. Um, a basically... An all-American couple, uh, Brad and Janet, they are forced uh, through circumstances to uh, go into a castle full of, of sexual um, promiscuity and uh, strange sexual identity and also uh, perversions, if you're not of that type. Um, uh, wait, why? No, that makes no sense. I'm not calling them the perversions. Well, what it is... It's, again, it's different strokes for different folks. Well... Well, come stroke you like I, 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 she, she stroke her, I, I, uh, but that's like, that's the, the brilliant sort of conceit of this movie is that it, is that it, is it takes, it takes all the, the elements that would go into a classic 60s sci, uh, sorry, classic 50s sci-fi horror movie, but then puts it through the filter of the sexual revolution of the 60s to the sexual rock and roll excess of the 70s uh, it, it, I mean that is what this movie is about it is, it, is, it is contrasting the repressed sexual attitudes of the 50s to the explosive sexual attitudes of the 70s everything in this movie is born out of that it's a brilliant conceit, it's a brilliant subtext and it's, it's a brilliant area to explore but I, I don't know, I really look at this film through a real analyst's eye, that's what I see <laughs> I mean, Rocky Horror Picture Show is not a movie that's terribly concerned with its plot, really. I mean, it's already sort of reveal a lot about how different characters are related to each other in the last 20 minutes or so, but it's not the easiest movie to follow if you're watching it for your first time, I think. I don't yeah. think that's at all true. It's really simple. No? Like, okay, these people are on a road, their car breaks down. Because okay, the, yeah, that part's simple. The car breaks they down. They go to a castle, and at that castle, they happen to be reliving... Uh, the idea of Frankenstein, this doctor who happens to be a transvestite, is yep. then also creating a man in his yes. lab. And you should come up to his lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with Antissa. Patient. Patient. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe the rain isn't really the blame. Really blame. So I'll remove the cause, but not uh, the, symptoms. the symptoms. Yeah. So anyway, they go and he's making, he's basically making his perfect man. With blonde so, hair and a tan, but uh, so yeah, uh, and just a little bit of steam. 
Um, he'll come and know because he he's. He, <laughs> but yeah, he's basically making a, he's making a guy that he can fuck. He's making the perfect uh, life mate. Uh, yes. Yep. But here's the question: is like he has the he has the uh, bride. He is like the bride's um, veil. He has the flowers. But Rocky's supposed to be the guy in the relationship, or is he? I never understood that part. All I know is they close the curtains on a really awesome decoratedly uh, decorated bed um, after they go off from that song. Um, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Frank wants to receive. Oh no! I think Frank is a switch. <laughs> okay. But, but it, it, when he creates Rocky, you know the the monster. What he's really created is an idol that he can project all of his sexual fantasies on. I mean, that's oh. that's why that's why he's not that's why he's he's so dissatisfied with Rocky by the end of the movie. But, but see, Rocky what else isn't to be really the his ideal man. He's that's just a slab a lot of meat that Frank can project his stuff on. If you think about it, that's the thing behind a lot of his relationships, because again, he was with uh, Columbia. Um, he was then with. Um, uh, Eddie, uh, yep. played by Pete Loaf, who gets killed. He uses Eddie's brain to put it into um, his part of Eddie's brain, perfect man, into his Rocky. Yeah, and then Rocky, and then he's so dissatisfied with Rocky, he then goes after Brad and Janet, which basically he, he, he seduces them by pretending to be. He seduces Brad by pretending to be Janet in a very darkly lit blue room, uh, <laughs> and and the thing is that uh, if, even though Brad finds out that it is uh, Frankenfurter, he allows himself to be, um, he, allow, he succumbs? Would that be yeah. a good word? Yep. An embarrassing word, but the word. The, the uh, sexual freedom, or, or the, the new, oh, man, because what, what would you say? Is it like, is it his, is it his questionable sexuality that allows him to, uh, I guess, be alright with it? Because he's the one who's getting, no, he is getting fucked as well. Is it alright See, I'm confused by my own question now. Oh, you're asking if he was, if it was consensual, or it's not. It's not. It doesn't start off consensual because right. he said it's Janet, but then he he, it's he finds it enjoyable, so he allows it to continue. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, uh, Janet is taken in because she thinks the Frankenfurter is Brad, and they actually do it great because they have him wearing a disguise in both things. A really shitty wig. Oh, it's hilarious. Classic British tradition. So the whole thing is that Janet also doesn't doesn't know that it's him. So, and then she's all right with it after she uh, allows uh, Frank to guess her, plumb her depths. Um, So she's also then called a slut in the callbacks, which is something that happens at Shadowcast. Um, You usually call her a slut because she sleeps with everybody in the movie. Uh, she's taken in by Frankenfurter, and thus is, uh, I guess, her cherries pop that way. And then but she does have a real connection with Rocky. She doesn't know that Brad and... Uh, they, she doesn't know that Frankenfurter has just been with Brad, or Brad... No, no, no. What is it? It's the opposite. It's... It's Janet who's first, then Brad, Correct. I believe so, but it's it's been, oddly enough, it's been a while since I've seen it all the way through. Because the whole thing is Janet doesn't want Brad to find out. Brad doesn't want Janet to find out. When Janet runs away after, I guess, having sex, she finds the creature, Rocky, uh, huddled in the bat that he was created in. Because I guess that's the womb. 
Um, that's very psychological. And she and him kind of knock it off. He, she sings a song called Touch It, Touch It, Touch Me. Um, and basically he's all over her because he's obviously very heterosexual. Which is, which is, it's so weird because like that's the flaw in his design. It's not that he has an abnormal brain like the original Frankenstein. It's that he's straight. And therefore, he is not inclined to be in line with Frankenfurter's advances. But, of course, Janet finds out that Brad and uh, Frankenfurter are in sexual congress while watching the screens. They have really cool technology in this, too. They have a, uh, a magnet machine, an oscillator, and... They, uh, they have one machine that does everything. So if it's really, if it's the 1950s, 1960s, or whatever, they have a lot of video uh, technology. A lot of cameras in the house. Does it bother you in this movie that uh, Peter Henwood, who played the Rocky, the monster, that his voice was dubbed in for the whole film? Yes. I I like the guy who sings, but at the same time, I've always felt really weird about that because it doesn't always match up. I think so, too. Yeah, it doesn't... I never and... minded it. it. For me, it fit perfectly with the campy nature of the movie. Oh, I gotta tell you something. Okay, this can't go... Okay, nobody who listens to this cast... No, nobody who listens to this podcast. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell anybody this. There was a production of the Broadway version of Rocky Horror at a place that I go to down, down south called Bay Street Theater. Now, the sad part is, is their Rocky was so tone-deaf... Oh, God. I mean, yeah, he had a good body. And so are you I, saying this was a stage show? This, yeah, um, so it was just a stage show. It did okay, not, not the, the movie. movie. Just the, okay. It had an amazing uh, Frankenfurter played by Chris Blair. A friend of mine played uh, played Brad. His name is Timothy Reynolds. But their Rocky, uh, his name was Micah something. I, I can't remember. He was god-awful. I'm, I'm really sorry to say I couldn't stand this. Every time he sang... I was cringing in the audience. No offense to Micah, but you can't sing. Yeah, that's a surely a bad thing in a musical. Uh, and I mean, speaking of the the performances in this, Susan Sarandon is okay. Her singing voice isn't the best, but it it gets yeah. the job done. I think. What about Barry Boswick? I like Barry Boswick. Yeah, no, he's good. He's pretty good. Oh, he's great. He looks great. I mean, like in the part, like he looks. He looks just buff enough. He's just—he looks—he doesn't look so much like a nerd, but he looks like that high intellectual kind of guy who would have patches on a jacket on the elbow. He's, he's the guy who, if this was a, a standard '50s horror movie, would take off his glasses and go, "If we give the aliens a cold." Ah, oh, but he does. <laughs> he does take off his glasses. We only want That's to use true. our telephone. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all, all this for for want of a phone. Yep. For, for hey, want remember, of a phone, the heroes remember, got nailed. Castles don't have phones, asshole. <laughs> but why not? I think the idea was that they they at the same time they were thinking, oh, it's in the backwoods. There's not really going to be any technology. It'll have fireplaces. It might have a light uh, over at Frankenstein's place, but no phone. And it has a wonderful elevator. And again, it does have a lot of electricity because they're reanimating a corpse. <laughs> yep. Oh, and then that also comes into another thing. Does that count as necrophilia? Uh, not if it's alive again. 
Not if it's alive it's again. Animation, it's not necrophilia. Man, so can we go back and revisit Beyond Reanimator? We, <laughs> but remember, they're they're um, most of them are undead and not perfectly reanimated. Uh, that's true. That's true. I what have to. Say, I really. In, uh, what about the redhead in um, uh, Night of the Living Dead Three? Return of the Dead. No, she's undead. She's undead. She's hot, but she's undead. Okay. Well, a lot of it has to do with are you are you doing it because they're dead or is it just dead one of their features? Oh, uh, I think that is one of the features. That yeah, you're right. I think necrophilia is more about that they're cold and not moving. Wow, this has gotten into weird territory. <laughs> Well, it's fitting for this film. Uh, I have to say, I really, and before we get into Tim Curry as Frankenfurter, of course, um, I really like I, the humor at, with uh, Charles Gray as the criminologist, as the narrator of the film. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think you needed a narrator. No, you don't need a narrator, but it's just so ridiculous. It feels like we you're don't... watching Masterpiece Theater or something. No, I find I find the framing device of the narr- of the criminologist actually very comforting. Like it, it almost makes you think, "Oh, well, this film isn't going to be that strange. This guy's in a Bond movie." <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have a neck. You're just not looking hard enough. And one thing that's really weird that I posted on uh, our Facebook page, if you just look up Sequel Cast on Facebook, we're there. Uh, in the late 90s, they uh, did a uh, Rocky Horror, I think it's called the Rocky Horror Interactive Show. It was like a CD-ROM. Oh, yeah. And on it, they have full motion video clips of Christopher Lee, uh, the British actor, playing the part of the narrator. What? Yeah, uh, we have uh, YouTube clips up on our Facebook page of this. But it's very bizarre watching Christopher Lee, you know, dressed up, sitting down in a chair, saying some of the lyrics to Time Warp and so forth. Uh, <laughs> Like, why they even thought that was necessary, I'm not quite sure, but, uh... That's Christopher Lee. If you can yeah. get Christopher Lee, I'd have him read the phone book. No, he, he, has, he has a great voice, and, uh... I think the narrator is a fun touch, but, you know, it's not needed. If you took the narrator out, I don't. I think he'd still be able to follow along where the characters were going. I mean, that he points to a map that they get lost, it's pretty obvious they're lost, because they talk about how they're lost. But, um... But yeah, Tim Curry is Dr. Frankenfurter. This is his big uh, his big role. I am so thrilled that after years of talking about Tim Curry on the sequel cast, <laughs> we are finally covering a movie that he's in. Yes. Yeah, how many what other sequels has Tim Curry been in? Um uh, Adam's Family Three. Oh no. That was no. direct to video, but yeah, he was in Scary Movie Two as the professor. Ah, uh, that's true. When are we doing those? Next uh, time. <laughs> when we're ready to die, <laughs> he was in he was in Home Alone two, Lost in New York as the concierge. Yes, yes, we have to talk about that. Um, but again, was, Tim Curry, he 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 had played the part before in the West End. Yes, and he had been he actually he's released an album like there's an like he's actually had like he's a singing career. He's been in so many movies. Uh, one of my favorite ones that he actually sings a song in is uh, The Worst Witch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good uh, piece. No, he released three albums as a... Uh... He released three he albums. A, he has such a singular so voice. I mean, he played the, he played, uh, the uh, evil 
in he played the Lord of Darkness in Legend. Yes. Yep. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember the title of the movie. Um, he's Mr. Body and Clue. I mean, he was even um, he's been on TV shows. He was on that one with about the butler that's based off the old 1960s show about the butler. Mr. Belvedere. No. no uh, I know what you're talking about. The that girl has the little doll and makes her makes the butler kiss it. Um, like Mr. Oh, it is it not Family Affair? God, I can't remember now. It's not Family Affair. Then eight is enough. No, it wasn't eight enough. It was only a boy and a girl. So maybe it was Family Affair. Mrs. Beasley. The yeah. doll's Mrs. Beasley. Beasley. What the hell is the name of the show? Oh. But anyway, he did an update of that. And again, he's just he's one of those guys that just shows up and you instantly know, oh, hey... Muppet Treasure Island, that's another one. Yeah. It was Family Affair. The revival of Family Affair. Yeah. He was Mr. French. Mr. French, thank you. So anyway, but he's like he's in movies, he's been in other movies where he sings too. But I can't get over his singing in this movie. There's like he every really song puts his all into it. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean you talked about uh you know, recently on uh, Broadway and also for a, a time in London he did the lead role of King Arthur in the Monty Python musical Spamalot based on uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He did the first run of the he did the first run as Arthur. Well exactly, I, no, you're right. Yep. I would have killed to have seen him in that. Well you can hear him on the soundtrack album, uh but no I very true, very true. But just the idea that I would see him, like, nope, 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 this is silly. <laughs> but, uh, no, he, he does really throw his all into the movie, and, I mean, the character of Frankenfurter, I noticed watching the film this time around, is really quite an asshole and very selfish. And yet, at the end, you feel kind of sorry for him. Just slightly. Just a little bit. Well, he gets what he deserves, but at the same time, yeah, he's got so much freedom. He's also got control of his staff. He's got this massive house. He's having sex with everybody. He's got this complete freedom that I'm guessing he maybe didn't have on his planet. Yet, oh, don't give away the twist. <laughs> oh God, who oh, cares? Or, it turns oh. out they're all aliens. Not all of it. Well, well, everyone in the house. Yes. Uh, no, no, because I don't think I don't think uh, uh, I don't think Columbia is. No, yeah, yeah, she is terrestrial. But Magenta, uh, Riff Raff. We have to talk about Richard O'Brien's Riff Raff. Oh, yes. Yes, and Richard O'Brien, you know, he co-wrote the script and co-wrote the music uh, for the show as well as acting in it. And uh, he's really good. I, I think, you know, I, I think it's very haunting the way he delivers his uh, part of uh, over at the Frankenstein place. Like, that's pretty he's memorable. lanky and creepy. Yes. And he makes a great butler. Uh-huh. And him just, like, drinking from a bottle and then throwing it and just him, like, just just tasting and, like, Master! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, just, okay, watching, watching, <laughs> watching Tim Curry whipping Richard O'Brien, like, thinking, wait, that's the creator of that movie. You're basically, you're whipping your creator. I love that fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, and then him having, him having elbow sex, which is um, his way of, I don't know if it's actually, it's I'm not really sexual, but everybody jokes about it being oh they're 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 elbow sexing. Uh, well, I just you, I just figure on the planet transsexual Transylvania. I just figured like that's their equivalent of a Vulcan hand sign. You do that elbow move. 
Mm. Unless their sexual receptors are on their arms. Um, the, the Frankenfurter proves that they're not. <laughs> oh, very true. <laughs> but also, the, just some of the things that he wears in that, and just, oh, God, ha- uh, watching um, oh, that crop work and uh, his, his blue... Oh, a blue house coat, that powder blue house coat. That's very dealing with that age. Like there are things that transcribe that like transfer, like the the car, the bikers, and such. And then like blue house coat, and then things that are very iconic. And then of course you have him in a corset and high heels and a cape, and of course his makeup. Um, at some point he does. He's wearing like a, a housewife uh, getup with curlers in his hair, cream on his face. And the house goes, it's hilarious, and slippers. Oh, can we talk about something that, that has always bothered me about this movie? Go ahead. Oh. Just sort of like how how the movie sometimes seems to forget that it's a musical and then really, really apologetically tries to remind us it's a musical. Like, like there, there are just moments where it'll be like, what feels like a half hour with no music whatsoever, and then boom, 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 three songs in a row that all awkwardly crash into each other. It, it's, I, I really, at least music-wise, this movie really does need better pacing. You know, I think you're right, because there actually is a song that is supposed to be in there, I believe it's supposed to be uh, after Brad has sex. Is it Once in a While? Yes. Yeah. And it, it's like a very sad... I think they have it on deleted scenes in the DVD or something, but uh, it's a very sad song that it's just... Is it just Brad Majors doing it, or does Janet do it as well? No, it's just supposed to be it's Brad. Because then she gets the chance to do Touch Me, Touch Me, Touch Me a few paces forward. Um, but I, I guess it does... That throws off the pacing if you, if you have that song in there. I think it kind of brings the show... To a grinding halt. Even though it's a good song, it kind of stops everything, which is probably one of the reasons. Well, I mean, in the beginning of the movie, I think, has such a good momentum with them getting married to them in the house, to the introduction of all the characters and the introduction of Rocky. And then afterwards, just sort of flounders around for a bit till uh, Dr. Scott comes on the scene, I think, and then it picks up a bit again. Well, no, but you have Touch Me, Touch Me, Touch Me before Dr. Scott. You do. Scott. What was that last part? Dr. Everett Scott. Dr. Everett Scott, yes. Who, of course, was the guy that Brad and Janet were trying to find because they were going to get his blessing. Why they wouldn't go to her parents or his parents, we'll find out in the sequel. But well, because it's, they met at his refresher course. Exactly. Well, no, but I'm talking about why they can't go to her parents or his parents. Uh, they don't live as close as, as as he does. After all, they they live in Denton, as we learn in the sequel. But um, but yeah, but he winds up coming to Frankenfooter's place, which I don't for understand. some reason. Uh, oh yeah, no, no, I remember why he goes for a reason. But I'm like, number one, it seems such happenstance. It um, is. And Frankenfooter calls Brad on that. He actually like can, he uh, accuses Brad of coming there under false pretenses of coming there on a purpose. Or poipus, as he says in the movie. Or as we say in the uh, audience, porpoise. Well, because it, tur- it turns out, you know, um, Ed- Eddie, the delivery boy biker played by Meatloaf, who had, no, who had a relationship with, uh, with Columbia and had a relationship with, with Frankenfurter, who Frankenfurter 
kills to get a brain parts for Rocky, then kills again after his big musical number, whatever happened to Saturday Night. Turns out he's related to Dr. Scott. Dr. Scott's and looking for him. And sent him a letter saying yeah. that the people that he was with had a terrible plan. Hurry or he may be dead. They mustn't f- find out their no, I'm going out of my head, spelled H-E-D, oh, yeah. hurry, because I, or, or, or I may be dead, spelled right. They mustn't what? carry out their evil scheme. Yeah. From the day he was born, he was trouble. And again, Dr. Scott gets a song about Eddie. <laughs> a character who's now dead. They actually serve meatloaf at the table. Ha ha ha. They actually have a birthday like party turkey for some reason. Like, yes. It's ham. No, you're right. It is ham. And I just love the, the awful electric uh, slicer that Frank Inverter <laughs> uses. It's just That's hideous. a tender subject, Dr. Scott. That's a very tasteless joke. Uh, <laughs> but no, my favorite part is when, because Tim Curry, um, Dr. Everett Scott comes in and he's like, well, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm here looking for Eddie. And of course, um, uh, Columbia, who had loved Eddie and also knows his fate, um, tries to warn Dr. Scott and uh, Frankenfurter silencers her with that electric uh, knife. I love, yeah, that's great. He actually points it at her. Uh, so, like, oh, that's... then again, Tim Curry's acting. You really think that he would slice the bitch. <laughs> well, you know what... Um, what, I, what I really like about, about Dr. Scott is that is that la- later on you find out, and this is hinted at several times, but, you know, uh, Frankenfurter accuses, or should I say, Dr. Von Scott. See, I keep implying that he's a Nazi scientist. Aha, uh-huh. who would have come over on Project Paperclip. Yep, got it in one. Anybody who doesn't know that, uh, look it up on Wiki. And then weep. Yep. Or not. That's our government for you. We had to beat that. We had to beat the Russians to space, so we made deals. Oh, also, listen to Tom Lear's song about Werner von Braun, the father of modern rocketry. Hilarious song. Good point. Good reference. Then listen to some of his. Uh, then listen to some of the music that he did for the Electric Company, such as "I Love to Sniff." <sighs> Just take a whiff. <sighs> I love to sniffle, it just feels so nice. A one hanker chipple just never suffice. That song that's is not, not big company. Oh wow, that's a travesty. We I, we've sung more songs in the electric company than we have from Rocky Horror. What that's was not, that, Jason? That's not true at all. I was gonna say I never one thing I never really liked about this movie is the plot twist that they're aliens. I think it's kind of annoying. and I think it is... Comes out of nowhere. Although I think the costume is really cool when you see uh, Riff Raff and Magenta in sort of their, their sci-fi space, 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 space yeah, sci-fi look. But that also then comes up with my... Well, okay, what does a Frankenfurter look like? I'm guessing it's the same thing. I think he'd look cool in that costume. Uh, but with me, I love the idea of the aliens. Again, kind of going back to that double feature sci-fi thing is like, oh, it's like the Twilight Zone. Oh, these people are crazy and such. Oh, turns out that biker gang is actually three intelligent aliens. Oh, it turns out, uh, oh, they're from another planet. Or, oh, that young sailor is actually death. Oh, the bartender has a third eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, that pool player, he's actually dead. 
<laughs> and Don Rickles. Ah, there. <laughs> you know, it might also just be when that information is revealed in the film, you have a very long uh, song and dance number that's sort of cabaret style, and then they go in a swimming pool and all this... Yeah, you know, uh, the floor show. All over them with the um, with the, the Medusa uh, ray. Yes, it, 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 like he turns them naked. Yeah, and into stone. That's always confused me. And then dresses them up in corsets, and then de Medusa them. Well, remember it, it, the, mach- the the machine only works on organic material. So you, it, since their clothes are made out of synthetic fibers and processed organic material, it doesn't affect them. It's oh, like the time machine. From because again, Doctor Everett Scott. Because they're all like stuck, they're actually stuck to the to the floor, and his wheels get stuck. He his top is naked, but the shawl that covers his legs is wool. Oh wait, you're right. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But no, because then in the floor show, he's still wearing his jacket, which is tweed, but he's well, wearing. He- Oh, God. Well, obviously they put the jacket back on him because they didn't have any corsets that fit. No, but that's the thing is the jacket didn't disappear. It was any 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 clothing. Oh, God damn it! Why are we trying to make sense of this? Well, <laughs> I'm not. I'm all. I'm just along for the ride. Again, there's no real science to this. They have a thing. They have a ray that can turn you into stone, and they have a another thing that can make a house uh, fly through space. Uh, to another planet on a rainbow? Or is that rainbow just there? I think the rainbow is just there. Okay. And speaking of the ending, you know, there's differences. There's a, the United States cut of the film and there's a UK cut of the film. The only difference really being the UK cut has the song uh, Superheroes at the end. Which I like. I rather like it. It's good. I do like that song as well. Now, that in that, I actually do like the narrator's final cap on the sh- on the movie. His little, like, um, his bringing it all around, saying, um... Let me look it up. Bring me up the monologue, yeah. Because the song well, itself is a good song, and then it's, like, uh, it's also really funny because of all the mist and uh, them crawling. Stumble, stumble, fall. <sighs> well, I've got a, a question, though, because, you know, we learned that Frankenfurter... Uh, Magenta and Riff Raff are, are aliens from transsexual Transylvania, and at, at the end, you know, they're going back to their planet. And you know, Riff has this whole thing about how the mission is a failure. Um, what the hell do you think their mission was? <laughs> I think their mission was to spy on uh, on Earth, but like, like on uh, our atomic think, testing. Yeah, like exactly. in all those old movies. Exactly to see what the potential of Earth's destructive capabilities, and then also. But then with that, Frankenfooter just is uh, given complete freedom because he has nobody really to answer to. So his hedonism kind of wins out. Mm. Yeah, he starts misallocating alien mission funds to building his perfect man. And inviting people to parties. I'm, you know what? Here's the thing. Is, those, those, those transvestites, those other people who come to the party, who the are they? Because they're not Transylvanians. I can only assume that they're like sycophants that Frankenfurter wants to impress and possibly pull from as a dating pool. Like, some of them seem very proper and stuff. I'm like, these are probably some rich weirdos, and it's a hunting lodge. But but, the, but that actually does kind of make sense when, when Brad says it. Because those people, they are out of the house by the time it's exploded. Um, those people, uh, 
they exist and they know the time warp, they have to be some kind of uh, thrallish cult members. Um, so my question is, is should there should there have been a sequel where those people came back trying to track down Brad and Janet? Well, I mean, we'll talk about this next week, but it, originally the plan was to do a sequel that would have Frankenfurter and Rocky and all these characters come back. There, yeah, uh, um, um, yeah. Adriana told me something about how it's the same as the movie, all the same songs, but because in this movie, Frankenfurter and Rocky die, that it was supposed to be Rocky was going to resurrect Frank. Yeah. But my yeah. question is, is why? Why is why is Rocky now in love with Frank? Because I don't think he is. I think he has a weird sense of responsibility. No, it's like it's a real dire love. The way he uncovers um, Doctor Frankenfurter's body after he's killed by Riffraff, there's something. There's some kind of uh, real brotherly. Maybe it's brotherly love because he is still a creator. Maybe it's motherly love. I mean, it is. You have a lot going on in that scene, and the music is very epic with the uh, chorus and everything. Yeah, and so. I think it's just supposed to be very theatrical. I don't. I mean, Rocky isn't a character that really speaks so much, but uh, I found the uh, monologue from the end you were talking about that the criminologist says. Should we actually wait? Should we wait? Yeah, that? we should wait should we until that the at end? the end. At the actual end. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the show. Uh, and you can do that. Okay, that sounds good. Um, what else is there? Because, like, okay, this movie became a cult movie. Why? Well, what's your favorite song? What jumps out at you? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my favorite song from Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think it's science fiction double feature. I don't know. I just think it's, you get a lot of neat visuals with the movies they reference, if you've seen the movies, or you're just thinking about. I, I just find the melody very, very comforting. And just the, the image of lips on a big screen in a the theater. That's you something know, I wish I could have seen without knowing what the image was beforehand. Because that must have seemed really weird if you just walk into this movie and there's a big-ass set of lips and teeth doing the opening number. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Science Fiction Double Feature is probably mine as well, but mainly because I have seen all the movies that they reference. And oh, okay. I think the song is so amazingly clever, but I also think it is kind of tragic because no one... All the people I know who are fans of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, with one exception, none of them have any idea what that song is about. Well, what is... Isn't it just about old movies? Yeah, it's just about the joy and comfort yeah. of those old cheesy movies. But none of them have ever seen those movies. Uh, or Nor do they care to. Yeah, I finally saw Night of Tri- uh, Day of the Triffids, I think, about a month ago. How was it? Oh, that's... It's... Uh... <laughs> I, I think the people are awesome. The monsters are crap. Okay. But again, time period. Um, for me, my favorite song is There's a Light. Mm. Oh, okay. I used to play Brad, and that was one of my favorite songs. I would always sing that along. Because, like, I, I, I get science fiction double feature, but There's a Light is just such a... And that's the one where they're in the. That's the one where they're in the rain, going towards yeah. the uh, castle. I mean, there's just something to the melody of it, and um, the idea of uh, if even in your darkest hour, there's mm. a light. 
There's you, you, could, you could dance to that at a wedding now that I think about it. In the darkness of everybody's life. And then, of course, you have you have Richard Bryan um, kind of butting his head in as Riff Raff singing his little bit, um, which kind of throws me. I like it, but not as much as I love the harmony of the of uh, Brad and Janet. And also, I have a problem with Time Warp. It is the it is the one song that is everybody it is knows. it is kind of obnoxious. I mean, it's a song that's really overplayed no, no, no. a lot. I'll tell you what's obnoxious. Okay. Working in a Halloween store <laughs> and hearing that song. Uh, Every hour. Ugh. Yeah. Because here's the thing is, it's not just on one disc of Halloween classics. It's on, it's on every disc sure. of Halloween classics. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so you don't like the Monster Mash either, I take it. No, I love the Monster Mash. <laughs> but that would be in those Halloween classics. Nope, it's not as much. It's no, on like it's... one. Believe what about Halloween Shindig? Because a lot of like songs that are, I guess, new, like nobody, no kid is going to... Unless you're under the age of nine, you're not gonna like want to have that playing at your Halloween party. You're gonna want to have like a techno remix of Friday the Thirteenth theme uh, or some bull. That's what they. That's what they think. I don't think that. I love the Monster Mash. I'd play that at my party. Huh. And Drac and the Wolfman would be totally invited. Well, you know, maybe that's what all those people were doing at the unconventional convention. Maybe it was a scientific symposium, but they were all fringe scientists, and Frankenfurter, being an alien, was making fun of the low science on Earth by slyly having his assistants use a song to explain faster than light travel. <laughs> Wait, no, it's like that thing, dance your thesis. <laughs> that is a thing, right? Dancing your thesis? No, there's a thing. There's a thing where scientists, uh, if like, it's either dance your thesis or dance your field, and so that they can explain what they do through the power of dance. I think you've just hallucinated a brilliant reality show. No, it's a real thing. Look it up on YouTube. I swear to God, it's a real thing. Now, one thing that's really bizarre is, you know, one of the original marketing things they did for Rocky Horror Picture Show showed the lips, and it just said a different set of Jaws. Yeah. You know, because Jaws was something else done by uh, Fox. Which is such a st- strange... I don't know, even know how you begin to market a film like this. I've seen the trailer, and the trailer doesn't do it justice. The trailer's really weird. Yeah. Because it's almost like a Brian De Palma movie. The way, but the way they cut it together is so <laughs> weird. Uh, Speaking of time unconventional war... Unconventional conventionists? Yeah, uh... Speaking of time warp, one thing that always bothered me is you have the monologue near the end with uh, Riff Raff and Magenta talking, and they say, we will return to Transylvania and do the time warp again. And it comes back to footage of them dancing the time warp. I don't like that edit. You're absolutely correct. I hate that edit. It's annoying. uh, You're always in trouble when a movie shows you clips of itself. Like, we, I don't need we, to be reminded of how well, awesome the party And the movie's not that long of a movie. It's not like I forgot what the time warp was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other reason why the criminologist is there, to make the movie feature length. Uh, that's probably true. Is that true? Well, no, he was on the stage show as well. Yeah, my friend of mine played, uh, my friend Val, uh, she actually played the uh, criminologist. It's really funny because she's a, she's a cute little short girl. She obviously has a neck. 
but they tried to like they tried to um, cover her neck as much as possible. Oh. And again, during the stage show, we were all shouting shit at them, which has got to be the worst part about doing the show now. Because I would think so. Yeah. When I played in the West End, probably nobody said a word from the audience. But because the way this movie has become a cult classic, people go to it every night and and shout shit at a, at a screen. They do the same when anybody does it on stage now. Yeah, that you're right. And you know that, that like, was like, like Tim. Like I heard, I heard things where the people would break character, or at least would break from the scene and respond to audience callbacks. And I'm like, that's got to be so hard. You got to be a really good improver to come back with a to come back with a comeback to somebody calling you an asshole or uh, uh, talking about how your ass is bleeding because of gay sex. That that's something I was always trying to do was to try to to like to to get new callbacks to catch on because like I. I, I love to improvise, and I don't want to just do this like do the same thing on stage night after night. So I was always trying to to get new callbacks into the show. Uh, well, there are some there are some that change. There are some that become very uh, that are very topical. Um, what was the one uh, in the when the theater is empty at the end of um, Frame Footers? I'm going home. Somebody yells out. Uh, oh, it was, it was Columbine High School reunion. That was one year. The next, it was a Russian subway station. Uh, then it was a Britney <laughs> Spears concert. See, you can always say like different things. I'm trying to remember what was this year. Somebody said something really awful that people booed because again, it was too soon. Um, and like uh-huh. th- that's the thing is like every once in a while you'll get something that is just the most horrendous callback that I I kind of refuse to say some of the things. You know, I heard something like that at one of the. Um ones I attended in Atlanta, Georgia, where it did the shadow casting stuff. And the, um, oh, it was a, I don't know if she was rapper R&B, but her name was Aaliyah, and she had died in a plane crash. Oh, yeah. And it was like right after that, they made some joke with that at some part early on on in the movie as a callback, so. And again, but that's the thing is they push the limits. Yeah, yeah. The audience loves to push them, too. Yep. I mean, yeah, like, I got to meet some of the, uh, my friend Adriana, Adriana Norman, had a convention down in Savannah for Rocky Horror, um, and some of the people that I met through that fan club of people who actually came, like, from far and wide just to see the movie and just to see our group, um, and to just have a fun con with other people who liked the movie, again, cult status, just some of the people, like, the, the president of the fan club and, and, uh, Euclid, um, uh, no, not Euclid. Uh, Eudora. Sorry, uh, sorry, Eudora. Eudora. <laughs> even the people, some of the people in the cast are uh, insane. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name Kiki right off the board. Uh, she usually plays Janet. Uh, she's a, she's a bundle of fun. But just some of those people at the after parties, they're pretty. <laughs> they're not tame. And I guess that's also one of the cool things about this movie. It allows you to kind of break a lot of the taboos. You're not supposed to talk during a movie. This movie is all about yelling at the screen. And and people down at the front are doing it in front of the screen. Uh, this movie breaks conventions of sexuality uh, and shows that those, I guess, those other paths or whatever. I guess all the Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yes. That's the only... Really, you know what? That's the only choice. Tim Curry. <laughs> 
We are all of us trying to return to the state of Tim Curry. Here's the thing is, I think Tim Curry is beautiful. In this film or how he looks now? Oh no. Well, you know what though? I like his beard. But um he's gained he's gained a little weight. But you know uh, he's, yep. still, he's still pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean now he does more voices for cartoons and he's in movies or miniseries lately every once in a while. He's been doing more television. Um if, I, don't, like, uh, I love if, his I love his face in this movie. Like the way he the way he controls his eyebrow, his little like wry little smiles and stuff. How do you do I? See you met my <laughs> his jaw and his, his uh mm. And again it's really weird because like I my uh Adriana plays Doctor Frankenfooter. She's a woman. Yeah. And there are guys who play him and there are women who play him. There there's there's role reversals. I've never seen a female Brad, but I've seen women and men in every other uh, combination. That's actually, you know what, though? I wonder. I've never seen, I've seen a man play Janet, but I've never seen a woman play Brad. It would be far, far too hot. Email us, email us if you've ever been in a group or have seen a group with a male, or with a female Brad. I've seen, I've seen costumes of female Brads, but I've never seen, uh, The um oh how do you say it? I've never seen a, a shadow cast have a female Brad before. But um I mean yeah, speaking of something more recent Rocky Horror uh related, uh you know, there's a TV show called Glee and they did a Rocky Horror picture show. Is there now? Tell me more about this show. Oh Jesus. I couldn't watch it. I could not actually watch that episode. <laughs> there's a Rocky Horror Picture Show episode, which I didn't think the the way they did the songs I don't think was very uh wasn't very good. But they even censored, like, lyrics. Oh. So if you're going to do songs from a show, like, why censor the lyrics? And it was that they did some of Touch a Touch a Touch Me. So, like, heavy petting became heavy sweating. And That's inst- worse, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead of... Uh, seat wetting? Or seat- seat- I bet it was sweet seat wetting. It was su- seat sweating. No, no. It was... Instead of it leads to heavy petting, they changed... It leads to heavy sweating... It only leads to trouble, and God, Seriously? no, I'm getting yeah. confused. No, because heavy instead of heavy petting, it might have been heavy fretting. I I think that I think that heavy I think that movie I think that episode um, was pretty confused. It's not a very good episode, but I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something about how something is so bold and strange and whatever, and you're going to do actual numbers from the musical, why pick numbers that are going to be censored in the first place? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's just how television uh, forever betrays its potential. No, seriously, think about how many how many other Broadway musicals have butt sex? Um, falsettos. Rent. Well, that's two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and a lot of people don't know this, but the producers. (laughs) (laughs) And cats. Oh, wait, no, no, I was about to say a funny thing happened on the other forum, but that's not, that never actually happens. It was a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) But we know, I mean, this, uh... 
I'd say if you hadn't seen this movie before, certainly see it by yourself on rent it on DVD or something before going to see it in a theater. Yeah, don't see, see it alone. An on TV. Seriously. What? Don't see an edited version on TV. No, right. Yeah. But if you're going to see it in a theater, see it at home first, just so you have an idea of what the movie is. So it's not. I, I think that would be stupidly overwhelming to go and see it in the theater with the shadow casting stuff going on. Yeah, you've yeah, never seen friends. the movie. But now, again, if you're going with friends and they're dragging you... Well, that's different. Light, but still, you're going to be asking a lot of questions and you're going you're to be confused. Yeah. You're not going to have as much fun if you if you hadn't already seen the movie. And, uh, God, you know, years ago on Sci-Fi Channel, I was watching, they were showing a... I believe it was like a Hammer Horror film or something. And... The beginning of it was just like the beginning of Rocky Horror Picture Show. With lips? Not with... No, not that part. Christopher okay. Lee's I lips. take that back. Yeah, no, not not with uh, lips. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Was no, it... Uh, not, not, was with, it... not with lips, but it was with... A couple was driving, the car broke down, and they go into a castle. And weird oh. stuff happens. That okay. doesn't that narrow it down. down. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Thinking, I was thinking of the driving scene in the cemetery from uh, Night of the Living Dead. no. Because that's got that's got the two characters got a beautiful blonde. Um, although I think in the the remake she's a redhead. But the original is black. Sure. She's strawberry blonde in uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, the, the remake, I there, think she may have been. Yes. Yeah. But the original. Is uh, black but then, and then the guy has glasses, and then he gets killed by the zombie. Yeah, that's true. But that's the idea: is that the, the, the all American the all American team was usually a blonde chick. And a guy who could either be a very smart intellectual, i.e. a professor of some type, or he was usually uh, uh, a letter jacket wearing jock. Oh, who had to have good grades. Had to have good grades. And they both had to be virgins. Or else they'd never survive the movie. Would you have any final things to say about Rocky Horror Picture Show? Go with friends. Yeah, if you're going to see it in a theater, go with friends. I'd agree with that. Uh, do not watch the uh, do not watch the porn version. Oh, what's that called? The Rocky the, Horror, the Rocky Horror Porno Show. Show. Why you is mean, it? What Mistress Tantala is the Frankenfurter character? God damn it! Who did Who did another movie? Look it up on IMDb. Mistress Tantala's Fat Rack. It has the most terrifying cover of any movie, horror, porno, or otherwise, you will ever see. Huh. You know, I'm going to do a podcast of all the movies that have been, that have been parodied in porn. There's a lot the of them. Character made better. Ugh. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of this Rocky Horror Porno show right now, and... Jeez... Yeah, don't, don't, don't. I know I've, now I've brought it into your head, uh, faithful listeners, but no, don't. I'm s- sensing a bonus episode. No. God. <laughs> Time is growing short, but my penis is growing hard. Ugh. Well, oh, God damn it. Hold on, I closed something. <laughs> I had the, uh... Did we break you, Uncle Milkshake? No, I, <laughs> had I had... the monologue. Uh, yeah, I had the monologue pull up, and then I I dropped it, so let me look it up again. Oh, my God. 
but no, again, where like okay, where again, where are these people? Susan Sarandon became a really big actress. Tim Curry is always brought in for other things. Uh, Barry Boswick played the mayor on Spin City. You're right. Um, where's Richard O'Brien? Uh, he was in uh, Dark City. He was also in Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, Flash Gordon, for that matter. And uh, Little Nell, who plays um, Columbia, she actually wound up uh, owning her own restaurant uh, club called Nell's in New York. She was actually big on the club scene of the uh, 90s. Um, yeah, she, was a, she was kind of a big name in New York. But it's great because you get to see her. Uh, she nip slips a lot in this movie. Yeah, and the chorus says that. <laughs> I don't end. think those are slips. Um, yeah, no, I have my quote pulled up, but any last things you want to say? Um, it's, see it at least once. Yeah, you have to. It's part of the American experience. Yeah, I'm going to say... It's a strange movie to watch, but yeah, watch it. Yeah, if you're in high school and ever find yourself dragged into a drama club, they won't make you watch this movie at some point. Or drama into drag. Sure, that too. Here's uh, the thing. Uh, Uncle Milkshake, would you give this movie to a kid going through a hard divorce? No, I'm not I'm not even sure why I turned to this movie in particular. It's a very strange choice. I mean, uh, I guess just the, the, the fantasy of it all. Um, I would... I'm trying to think what else I'd give them to watch instead. I might have them watch a... Kramer versus Kramer? Uh, Squid and the Whale? Very sad movie. Um, Clockwork Orange. Nice light. No, I don't know. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. No, not that movie. God, you. I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm just listing movies. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Megorium's Magical Emporium. Well, let me do the closing monologue, and then how do we want to end it? Or just with the closing? Uh, do, do we want to do a Tim Curry cover of a sequel cast theme song? That sounds good. Okay. Uh, so uh, this, uh, is, this is my take on the criminologist ending monologue, which I'm not sure if it's on both the UK and the American cuts, but regardless, the DVD has both of those. And crawling on the planet's face, some insects called the human race. Lost in time, and lost in space, and meaning. 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 (laughs) Very good. So, we're going to all do the sequel cast theme song as Tim Curry. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. We we don't have lyrics in front of us, so... You you remember the lyrics, and and Tim Curry can improvise. Do you remember the lyrics, Jason? No. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see what Tim Curry comes up with. Uh, should I should I start? Yes. There was a podcast called the Sequel Cast. They talked about movies. You sound like Alan Rickman. And sometimes they talked about boobies. 
<laughs> it's the sequel cast. The sequel cast. Oh, it's the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hey, Rocky. Remind me of the babe. Wait, that's a different movie. <laughs> beep, beep. It all floats down here. <laughs> that's also Alan Rickman. That's, that sounds like Alan Rickman was trying to... No, you have to, to do be, it like this. Here's the thing, he's back. That's actually a really good Alan Rickman. <laughs> well, I also have a cord. I think that helps my nasal passage. Oh, you know what you do is... I, I learned this secret from John Sessions. What you do is, as, as um, Alan Rickman, what you do is you say things, but you keep your teeth together, and you make it so that your lips don't actually touch your lips. They can't touch the teeth. You'll sound a lot more like Alan Rickman. Hello, I'm trying to do Alan Rickman in the way that you provided. Uh, it was better before. Yeah, it was. Damn it. Okay. So well, Tony Sessions does it. Well, think, thanks again, Jason. And you'll be on next week, you think, for Shock Treatment? Yes. Great. Okay. And again, try and contact that guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contact him on an email. Right. Um, hey, John, I can't get on. Um, I think he'd be a good person to talk. I don't have the president. Um... Actually, I don't, I don't know. I think Adora actually said that he doesn't like shock treatment. I gotta, I gotta find out. Sure. I will, I will email him, um, and we'll okay. see something up. Uh, so Wednesday at nine again. Uh, yes. Yep. Rock so yeah, next week on Sequel Cast, we'll be talking about the little-known sequel to uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show called Shock Treatment. Ooh, and... shock treatment! Hit me like a flyby. Yeah. Uh. A movie that a lot of people hate, and I think uh, suffers a lot because people just compare it to Rocky Horror Picture Show, when it's not really trying to do the same thing uh, as the first one. But until next time for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And Thrasher. And Jersey Jason. Saying, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. Where you can touch it, touch it, touch it, touch us. Jesus. Sequel (laughs) cast (laughs) <laughs> Anything you want to add, Jason? Oh, no, I was going to let it go with that. That was yeah. perfect. Touch it, touch it, touch us at sequelcast at gmail.com. Uh. All right, good night, fellas. Good night. Oh, take care. Yep. He was a low down, cheap little punk. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Ah, Rooker! <laughs>